0: So, I've got Ash with us here today, and it's going to be a story ranging from bar fights in witness pubs, my hometown, growing up in Rainhill, the town next to my hometown. My mum actually worked with Ash's brother for many years, and I met him, very charismatic guy, and um, Ash ends up in prison in Jamaica, yes. And we did have another guy on who was in prison in Jamaica, and we know what that's like. Ash was a young person when this happened, so we're going to get into the details of that. We're going to get into his work now in prisons, he has courses, runs an education company with his brother, activism, and also the racism he experienced, and you know, what's going on around the world now, how, how big an issue that has become. So huge thank you for coming on then, Ash.
1: Thank you so much for having us, you, Sean. You're welcome.
0: Huge pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So <coughs> you were saying you, you grew up in Rainhill, and what was that like? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I've never felt like a fit in anywhere, Sean, you know, and I certainly didn't fit in in Rainhill. And I've got a few mates who I still see, you know, now, Weddings, funerals, the odd drink. Um, and, I, and I love them. still. Some of them still live in Hill, Whiston, Prescott. Lovely guys. Um, but generally, the general kind of culture in Hill, To me, it's kind of like aspiring middle class, you know. And in the 80s, there was those people who had that opportunity for social mobility. You know, even just working in the NHS or driving a bus, you could get a decent house then. So people were really working their way up the ladder. And it seemed to me... Lot, there was a lot of snobbiness there. You know, people almost thought they were better than the people who would a bit didn't have quite as much down the road where they came from, in whatever Weston Height and Prescott witness things and whatever. Yeah. You know, and so I didn't. I never fit in with the snobby vibe. And the whole race thing. There was nobody there that looked like us. You know, I know there was two other black lads about my age in the area whose families were African. Um, and there was, in our year, there was a, one black guy, one Indian, African, two Chinese girls, that was it. And then you know, 250 other kids and me. Um, and so, you know, you stood out like a sore thumb and there was, there was always a kind of, you, you couldn't articulate it or even understand it at the time, what was being done. But you're constantly around this racism. There was the racism in the pubs, you know, what, what people would shout at John Barnes, in the Vic, you must have been there at them scenes, you know. I mentioned it in there, you know. C- can I swear on this? The after
0: after five, the first five minutes, we've <laughs> okay. got we've got another few minutes okay. to go. Okay, so let's just um, hold off on the swearing. Okay, it's a YouTube uh, policy, is it? Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so anyway, the kind of terms that we used. Oh yeah, let's not, let, you
0: can say N-word, but don't say the N-word. Because okay. that, again, we can't ever say that completely violates. Okay. We had Frenchie okay. on and he used it a lot. And we, <laughs> had, we had to take the video down not once, but twice, because there were so many usages of it to take those out. Okay, well, yeah. you know, I'm,
1: yeah. I, I, I'm a fan of hip-hop and rap music, and I've rapped a lot myself, and um, it, so we tend to talk in the way we talk, our, you know, the, the vernacular we use on the streets. Yeah. That, yeah. uh, the N-word's in the first, on the first page of that book. <laughs> right? That's the what people said. That's yeah, the way it
0: was. Of um, so yeah. So then you know. Quick, also, quick, quick question for you then. All right. So I read your Liverpool Echo article. Okay. It says when you were in the Jamaican uh, prison, they were calling you a white boy. So <laughs> what? What could you explain what your racial heritage is then?
1: My dad is a black Jamaican okay. guy. My mum is white Scottish. Okay. They met in Yorkshire. In Yorkshire. Whilst, in, in Hull. Whilst taking <laughs> it for the NHS. I, I was born in Beverly. In right, York, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, came to Rainhill when I was one, because my yeah. dad got a job in Rainhill Hospital, yeah. which is all that Rainhill was known for back in the day, <laughs> the Rainhill Hospital. Yeah, I've had some uh, visits up
0: there, Rainhill, the, Weston, yeah.
1: The, uh, the institution, Asylum, as it would have been called in those days, I guess. Yeah, um, and you're a
0: little bit younger to me, and, and just to let the people know then, you know, growing up in witness, next to Rainhill, predominantly white you'd you'd hardly see anybody you know outside of the white race and it was homophobic it was racist Um, you know people would like run into Indian restaurants and not pay and just run off and it it was a lot different I mean the the racism is, is always around but it, it was hard, really hardcore, wasn't it, back it then? It was,
1: and, and people just said it, you know, so the, the, the corner shop was called the P word by yeah. everyone. Yeah, That was just yeah. normal. The, 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 the chippy, the Chinese takeaway, was yeah. called the CH word, you know. Yeah. That yeah. was just normal. The market, St. John's Market, was called the P market. You yeah. go in the P, you know? Yeah. It, that was yeah. just, that wasn't even, he didn't even consider it to be a thing. And just a rampant homophobia. Um, you just didn't even think of it. This yeah. is why I'm trying to discuss all these kind of like this polarisation that we grew up around. Because you get to a point where you, you realize, well, that isn't actually normal. That isn't even acceptable. Yeah. But you don't obviously you don't question it until you actually mm-hmm. learn how to think critically. And with the education system being so garbage, so <laughs> it's more of an indoctrination system. It doesn't really it doesn't really inspire you to want to learn. And I don't think it
0: works for half of the people in
1: the system. What school did you go? Rainey.
0: Rainhill High. So was, it, was the uh, kids in that school racist towards you as well?
1: <sighs> Racism was just part of everyday life. So, okay, for example, so growing up, you know, when, when you're young, when you're about four, five, six, seven, people start saying things like, oh, my mum says you're coloured. Yeah. It was kind of polite. You're half-cast. Yeah. And, but at the time, you don't even realise what that means. So I, I remember looking in the mirror and looking for the stripes of colour, red, oh, no. purple, blue. Honestly, oh, no. honestly. yeah. And I couldn't see that even my dad, six foot two, black Jamaican, big afro, big afro, big had yeah. like a big 80s microphone, yeah? <laughs> I couldn't even see that he looked different yeah. to other people's dads. Because yeah. it didn't, it, it wasn't a consideration that people would think about the tone of pigment, the pigment in your skin yeah, and yeah. the melanin and go, oh, that's the difference we're talking about. So mm-hmm. I, what did he mean by the fact that say, I'm coloured, I'm not coloured? I, and no mm-hmm. one ever explained it. And I'm, I don't blame your parents. You know, in those days, parents didn't talk to young people mm-hmm. about anything. Most people my age say the same thing. Yeah. We didn't have those conversations with your parents or your teachers the way we do now with our kids. Yeah, You know, so just, so yeah, so then, and then you get a bit older and it's like, then I've got an older brother, as you know, and there'd be older kids referencing him and saying things about him because he was a bit, he was a bit tough then. You have to become tough when he's eight these, years older than Northern me. These Northern
0: sounds very tough, hard drinking people, aren't they? Yeah. And I imagine you would have gotten a lot of fights.
1: I hated violence. Um So pe- people... There were sounds when I was young. I've had people call me an N-word and punch me in the face. And I've just laughed it. I've I've giggled. I've laughed it off. (laughs) Oh that's supposed to hurt? Not because I was scared, Mm. because I didn't understand violence. I didn't like violence. I didn't see the point of violence. I had no interest in who was the cock of the school and all that stuff. Yeah. Until I got up to about 15, 16. And there's an incident I describe in the book there where I I kind of, I had a bit of a fight with, a guy called me girlfriend, the N-lover. Yeah, which again was a common term you heard all the time. End lover, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, so we got in a fight with him. He was, you know, he was quite tough. Like the second toughest guy in our year And I said, so wasn't a fighter. Didn't have no interest in violence. And I was doing okay. But then we had another fight, and I just, I just kind of like, I just didn't feel aggressive or violent. And I just lay down and let myself get battered. Yeah. And he was calling me a b. Can I say that a b b word? <laughs> I don't know what I can say. here. <laughs> but another common term in those days, you b. You know, yeah. um, and all that kind of thing. You end the word, you this that, that, that. And I think that was almost like a turning point. Where sometime after that, I was like, I've been letting people abuse me my whole life, and I, I'm strong. I'm, I'm 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 quite small, but I'm, I'm strong, man. And I don't have to let people get away with. it And the hormones kicked in, and the resentment kicked in, and the anger. And at that point, then I just suddenly had something to prove, and then I was like fighting a lot. You know, anyone looks at me sideways, you know. Uh, but that was kind of after school.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what was a night at the Top of the Town like? <laughs> 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 people who don't know. This is a club where people in witness used to go oh on the weekends God. in particular, <clears throat> picking up women if you're a man and the other way around if you're a woman and, uh, yeah, a lot of oh. drunken uh, behaviour. Oh, Legendary drunken VIP. i singing Behaviants.
1: Pia Pia Piano, No, are doing the Okie Cokey. You know, cheesy madness. But by God, the girls, the girls. But it was Toppers. just.
0: Tough, if, as they call it they?
1: you know if you were, if you used to go out in liverpool where the girls were kind of you know not that easy unless you drove a four before <laughs> with a gangster you know uh to suddenly find yourself in witness it was like oh, my, it was like a dream it was like newcastle i lived in newcastle i was on the run one time in newcastle and that was another experience was like oh my gosh this is not like liverpool dripping with girls but yeah anyway witness top of the town um gosh So one instance, for example, I remember uh, my brother said to me, he just tapped me on the shoulder. We were obviously really drunk as ever. And he said to me, um, Ash, someone's just called me a... a, This is the K word. A K word, okay? (laughs) 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 So, and I thought, he's always saying, you know, in those days, he was always talking about that kind of stuff. Oh, you're just exaggerating again. I said, oh, so it. I rolled my eyes. What, what are you talking? And just as I turned my head, this guy's face was right there. <laughs> and he went, yeah, you, you effing N. <laughs> that just attacked me like, you know, <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> but this was common, you know. And we ended up, you know, fighting, you know, ended up outside. And then we went back to, uh, well, we ended up... We ended up with a couple of long-bladed kitchen knives. Anyway, I did end up with a long-bladed kitchen knife in my hand um, and getting arrested by the police outside top of the town. You know, Um, fortunately, nobody was hurt. Nobody was seriously injured. Um,
0: Did they take you to the witness cop shop
1: regularly? (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, this one instance (laughs) as an example. <laughs> yeah, you know, I work in prisons now, and um, obviously what, what we do in prisons, I know you do too, and what we do obviously, I gather you do a similar thing. We'll talk about those kind of experiences to get the guys on board, have a bit of a laugh about it. Because again, I'm not ashamed of my past. Yeah. And some of that stuff, you know, at the time was fun. Yeah, it was dangerous, it was stupid. I wouldn't advise anyone to get into it, but I'm not gonna say I didn't enjoy myself. Um but it's not what we actually. want. nobody wants to be off the head on drugs. Nobody wants to be have their freedom curtailed. Nobody wants to be watching, looking over the shoulder all the time, or in dangerous situations that might get you killed. Nobody wants to be the person that their mother is ashamed of. Nobody actually wants that. But we start by telling the story, so we get the you know the, the, the prisoners, the guys and, and gals, We work in the female prison as well. On board by talking realistically about what that what it feels like to be in those situations and why what it is about society that pushes us. To towards those situations, why we, we can only attain those things like peace of mind or feeling good or having a sense of belonging through these crazy, crazy acts uh, by aligning ourselves with people who aren't well and doing dangerous stuff. Um, so we, we move from that then into talking about, you know, how you can overcome that, you know. Um, but, yeah, so... Well, getting, getting I, 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 I don't tell them so <laughs> to glorify it. It's, yeah, but yeah. It,
0: that's just the way it was. Getting hit takes getting used to, doesn't it? When you get hit. Like, yeah. you're starting out in martial arts, when you're first sparring, you're like, whoa, yeah. you've you got to get used to that. So it sounds like you had to get used to that at a very young age.
1: Yeah, and obviously you also... We started training as well quite young, so I was always... Because I was ADHD, so we'll got another reason why school didn't work for me. I couldn't sit still and listen to people tell me what to think. All day, you know. Um, so I got, uh, my mum and dad had to send me exercise and they wouldn't give me the medication that the doctor put me on because I fell asleep with my head and my ravioli and we didn't want to struggle the ravioli every night, you know. So uh, <laughs> they, they, they sent me running and swimming. So I was very fit. From the time I was six, I was running and swimming five times a week. Yeah. And then, obviously, as we got older, we got into kickboxing, martial arts. Yeah. At that time, MMA wasn't even a thing uh, but we used to watch these videos where they'd put people together, so they'd put like a, a sumo wrestler for fighting like a kickboxer or yeah, you know, yeah, a judo yeah. I, I watched those videos. I remember yeah, yeah,
0: uh, and that. And
1: yeah. that basically then, uh, th- 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 that evolved, didn't it, into what we have now, into the mixed martial arts. Yeah, that we have now. ultimate it, fighting challenge It, it, it wasn't well. a thing then. You know, Tank Abbott.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And so and the Gracie's, the jiu-jitsu, the, the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu Gracie family. Yeah just started winning everything. And that's why people then took on the, okay, the jujitsu twist your toe off business, that works in this setting. <laughs> and that would be enabled. To, so anyway, so we used to put on the gloves and beat each other up in my mum's back garden. And, and, you know, um learn how to become tough. Yeah. Almost because, so in that way, as well as fighting on the streets and fighting outside the clubs, you get used to, you know, yeah. not cowering. Because that's the worst thing you can do is, is coward or go into a ball. Uh-huh. Um if you get getting attacked because fists flying towards your face just becomes second
0: nature. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you <know>? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when the ecstasy rave scene hit, yeah. did the violence chill out for a bit? Because the soccer hooliganism went down, didn't it? The what? Soccer hooliganism went down, all the rival towns were like hugging each other in the clubs like Quadrant Park and stuff. Yeah. I had Manchester friends and they were shitting themselves was like come to the Quad... And they're like, all right. When they came to quad, and they were okay for a bit, before it got moody later on. I, I hated football anyway. Um, but I had friends who
1: were into the the, the, the soccer hooliganism stuff. Um, yeah. But, um, I'd say, you know. It was a, it, the whole ecstasy, it was like love and peace, and it was all love. What if you had? And again, I mentioned it in the book you know, you get these scenes of people all like hugging each other, and yeah. what if you had? What if you had? All that nonsense, and, you know, sweating yeah. all over each other. And then by the end of the night, people would be bottling each other. Outside the state, every weekend, there was a, a police van, and there'd yeah. be bottles getting thrown in it, and somebody would be getting attacked. <laughs> so it was love and peace in the club. Yeah. And then violence once you were right. outside the okay. club. Yeah. You know, it was a... Um, <laughs> I
0: did have some crazy nights at the, at the state. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. All right, so you end up in this Jamaican prison at a young age then. So what are you doing in Jamaica? You know, we went there... So
1: the book is kind of... It's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fictionalised memoir, if you like. So mm. It's all true, what happened in there, the narrative arc. That all happened, but I've changed the names of the characters all the characters names are changed yeah. and some of the place names have changed and some s- small details like for example that that was my second time in Jamaica in, in the book it's me it, it's the character's first time
0: yeah
1: so that culture shock i just wanted to put all in one go mm-hmm. for the sake of the narrative you know um well, so what I, I, was your
0: first time like then
1: um well i went there the first time with my best friend uh, scott who's not with us anymore mm. and with me dad and, yeah, it was again, so I've blended the two together here, so it' was strange talking about the the actual story and the book, but um it was it was beautiful in terms of going it was what i what I wanted from Jamaica was to go to a place where I feel, oh, I feel a connection with these people, I don't feel like a fit in in the place where i where I live and where I'm growing up, yeah, and I just but I feel something, I feel something in reggae music. Also, when I listen to rap music and hip-hop, I feel there's... I don't quite know what... I don't quite get even what they're talking about. I don't know anything about black culture, black history at that time. Yeah. Um, uh, But black... I I, I, I haven't lived in a black community, so I don't even understand some of the vernacular they use or some Mm -hmm. of the references. But there's something there that that I have... It's in my genes, something. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know what it is and where I fit within it. And obviously, at that time of then, I wanted to, like, dress in a more black way. As if, as if there is a black way. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I know, but I was looking for role models. Yeah. And these role models, there wasn't anyone. There wasn't anyone. There wasn't any scholars, or authors. Where were the black scholars and authors? black male scholars and authors or even film directors of the day or heroes in the movies Yeah, where were they? They weren't there.
0: Yeah, we had yeah. Trevor
1: McDonald mate and he weren't very exciting to a 14 year old sky. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> So you look into hip hop and all that like, you know. So then I started going to the, the St. John's market I like to call it St. John's market and buying the baggy clothes all that kind of stuff and maybe <laughs> do, maybe if I, if I walk a bit you know a bit of a walk or I don't know I don't know. Um, so I wanted to find what is the essence what is that thing? And yeah. again, I couldn't have I couldn't have articulated it at the time, but looking back, that's what it was. And I, I found that mm-hmm. I saw something in the way, in the feel of Jamaica, in the way people <laughs> express themselves.
0: Yeah.
1: That was part of me. I don't think they saw. I don't think they saw me in them. Mm. I'm an outsider. Yeah. Not only because. Well, we, you can ask me about the tone of skin thing if you like. How do I co- come to be the white person? Because I gather walking around here, most people look at me and say, "Oh, that's a black mixed race guy." You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but in Jamaica, it's white man. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so not only is it that difference, but also the fact that I haven't come from a culture where, um, where a, a culture where I speak or connect with their with their ways of being, you understand? So I don't even know how to express myself in the way that they do. I don't know their cultural references. Yeah. So I'm as English and as white as they get.
0: So you went to Jamaica. Yeah. You had this, like, hope of learning things, but then they're calling you the white boy. Did you not anticipate anything like that would happen? No. Was it a shock then?
1: It was a shock. You know, even... Even in what actually happened, even though I was there the year before, I didn't obviously end up, you know, in a detention centre the year before. <laughs> um, so it was only really when I ended up in a detention centre. You know, the first time I went with my dad, people are trying to get money off you the way they do in, in poorer countries, that kind of thing, in the streets. And I remember my dad speaking in Patois to a guy, as if to put him off, because my dad's Jamaican, but my dad has lived in England since he was in his early 20s, and he's, you know, he was, he was working his way through with the NHS as a lecturer. He became Principal Lecturer yeah. at John Moores University. So he was very well-read, very highly intelligent. But also he kind of, he lost a lot of his Jamaican accent. Well, totally lost his accent. But now he's speaking in Patwa to put this guy off. And the guy's went, ah, oh, English, man. <laughs> even that shocked me. I was like, oh my God, even my dad can't get away with it, you know. So, but then... It, the, the white, the realisation you think of me as white didn't really come until I was in the detention centre. And even then, I thought they were doing it maybe to annoy me, maybe to wind me up. Maybe yeah. it was a way of bullying me, putting me down, uh, belittling me. And it wasn't until one day, I was walking past this room and there was a family visiting one of the lads in this detention centre. And I walked past the window and this young girl like, saw me through the window and she went, oh my God, they've got a white boy in here. And it was at that point, I thought, no, that, she wasn't putting that on. She's like, whoa, white boy. You know, so I was like, this is real. And then I'm trying to get my head around it. Chat, yeah. i so what? Explain to me how you think I'm white. And they're going, because you're white. <laughs> but I'm not the global.
0: Mm. But you are, you know what <laughs> I And then at
1: one point I remember saying, I'm trying to explain to me, oh, I remember this guy, scared. Are you saying to me? Oh, so you think you're black? People, I'm saying, look, people, where I come from? And this is a 16, I turned 17 in this detention center, I mean 17th birthday in there. Yeah. There's a young, naive kid who's got nothing from school. I didn't read books at the time, knew nothing about black culture. And I'm trying to explain in this uneducated way, what it means to be like me, where I'm from, and why I why I think I'm black because yes. everyone else because it's been <laughs> foisted on me. I didn't <laughs> wake up one day go I think I'll be black. It's like it's, you know what I mean. It's, it's N word colored K word. That's all your life. So you go well. I have to develop this black identity then. I, that's been foisted upon me. The police had arrested me a number of times for no good reason at that point because they were racist. So I'm trying to explain this to these guys, um, and I'm saying so. I'm going kind of, so well, You know people where I come from, if you look like me, you know, yeah, you can't get like as, as, as good a job and stuff. And they're yeah. going, they why? I'm saying because 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 the because I'm black. And going, oh, I see what you mean mm-hmm. because because the, the the way you walk and the the clothes you wear. No, because of me face. <laughs> I'm black. And i black. I was trying to grow. I had this awful, horrible, greasy thing I was trying to do with my hair at the time. I was trying to grow dreadlocks and it wasn't working. And, and, and I was like, uh, I was like, I you mean, know, you know, Bob Marley's dad was white, yeah. So I'm trying to explain now that to them. And you know, everyone in Jamaica is a mix as well. No one's like pure African in Jamaica. Yeah. Everyone's mixed. You know what I mean? But. That's not a girl. Anyway, anyway, it's a different system. It's a shadism system, okay? Or a pigmentocracy, okay? The lighter you get, it's almost like the easier it is nowadays to kind of get the best jobs, whatever, whatever. So there's a certain point, a cut off point where they go, no, that's white. Even my dad's mum thinks of me as white. Yeah. I'm that, that, that your grandchild. <laughs> I, I don't understand what's going on. Right.
0: come Bef- on. Before we get to the, the prison story there, yeah. what happened during those visits? That led up to things going wrong. What do you mean? So you got your first visit. Was that plain okay. sailing, you didn't get any trouble? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a little something.
1: A, a, a little taste of what, what what might come the next year, you know. I, was like, I, I put it all together into one thing in, in the book. You Did know? you
0: connect yeah. with the drug culture out there to hook up your weeds? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right, so... Anything no- notable over that first visit then that you want to talk about? Or do you want to go straight to the second visit?
1: I'll go straight to the second visit. Um, okay. But yeah, th- let me just <laughs> finish
0: the so sort of, The
1: reason why I mentioned the hair thing is because I then yeah. said to this guy, oh, you know, it's like Bob Marley. And he looks at me and goes, you think you like Bob Marley because of your hair? And, and honestly, you were so vexed that I just said, that, I, didn't think that I, just, I just said, <laughs> I'm like Bob Marley. Like, no, I'm not saying I'm like Bob Marley. I was saying, anyway, anyway, that's, that's the point I was making. Yeah, okay, so uh, to the second visit. Go on, so...
0: Me getting in trouble? Is that what you want to explain? Um, Take us through. Take all the time in the world you want. Mm. The second visit. Mm. How you got there and what it was like establishing yourself again Mm. there and then how you got in trouble. Mm. Yeah. Well...
1: To keep it concise, because you say take as long as I one, but I can talk some. So I always... that's what we want
0: on this quicker. <laughs> <podcast>. We sell <laughs> people. People say, "Well, to cut a long story short." I'm like, "No, <laughs> we want long stories. Yeah. Long. We got yeah. two up to two hours."
1: You don't know me well yeah. enough, sure, honestly. <laughs> Anyone who knows me watches. I was going tell him to stop. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, okay. So you know, and I, I I was in a I was there for a the couple of days. I ended up in a nightclub. Um, obviously, I had connected by then with the drug culture. I would like to explain that I was only 16 at the time, but by then I'd been going to nightclubs and stuff since I was 14. That was quite normal back in the day, going to the pub and the club at 14, 15 years old. You don't think you get away with that now. Um, but describe, also,
0: describe connecting with that um drug culture. How did that happen?
1: Well, the first time I was there, you know, obviously, the first thing you do is you're in. Jamaica, you're like, and you can smell the weed. You know, it grows in the cracks in the pavements. So you're just like, well, we've got the weed, got the weed. You know, and we nearly got ourselves in trouble like that. You know, one guy sold us some weed and then went, uh, now, uh, now you're under arrest. I was like, what? And he was like, but well, that's okay. Just give me two hundred dollar. I was like, okay. And he was like, cool. Now pay for the weed. I was like, okay. Like cool, and just got off like, like and she starts with, I'm gonna that's kind of what goes on, is it that's one of the things they do doing is they kind of and, and then he go was he really a policeman? I don't know what just happened there, <laughs> and then there's obviously the, there's the cocaine there as well, um
0: is that like a scam they pull on tourists then yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah, 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 and I don't know if I could have bought myself out the fit the, the, when I got arrested on the, the second time, I was yeah. just too naive mm. to even there was there was a guy who was hinting. Tell it how much money have you got? It's going just that much. He's going, you must have more money than this. Yeah. He's going, not just that much, man. I had money in my sock as well at the time. And he's mm. going, But oh, the English rude boy, like you have more money than this. Where's the rest of your money? Show me how much money you have. And I was like, I Just like you know. I didn't know what he was getting at.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I
1: probably could have got out that night. Oh. Two and a half weeks later, I'm still in this oh. underground stinking dungeon oh. in this tropical country getting beaten over the head while people <laughs> shout white man. And I I just, got, I just got off that night. But I was a naive kid yeah, from a nice yeah, yeah. leafy suburb in England. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We know it was there was all the fighting and the racism and the nonsense. But again, Raynil was
0: a nice leafy suburb. Lovely countryside. wasn't Cranton on that side, especially. You know,
1: yeah? It, it, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't like being an urban kid
0: yeah uh, you know, yeah, it, you yeah. know what you
1: know i mean we we, had, we were fighting all the time to prove ourselves, mm. but it,
0: it wasn't rough in, we were poor, yeah, you know, so we didn't I, I was naive, so anyway, So you've gone back uh, the second time, you've already got your drug hook up yeah. and then what?
1: well, you know i got i was very i was off my face one night, so I was staggering back to the hotel. A guy stepped out from behind a wall and said, yo, yeah, man, where are you from? I said, oh, England, Liverpool. What? And he just grabbed me gold chain. I was walking with the gold chain hanging out, yeah, like staggering down. He grabbed me gold chain and snatched it off my neck. So uh, I, I grabbed the gold chain with the other hand and just whacked him. So he very, and I remember this like it's in slow motion. He took this butterfly knife out of his pocket oh. and unfolded it. And honestly, to me, it's like slow motion, just watching him. And I went, cracked him again. <laughs> so but wait for the knife to be unfolded and then crack and you know you just think what what's going through your head's you know I mean? surprise, surprise, the knife pierces me a number of times, oh. you know? oh. <laughs> and then, So we're rolling round. Oh eventually my brother caught up with us. He was down the bottom of the hill. This was just like we were halfway up a hill. Uh so he's run up the hill and we we, we managed to it's, the knife ends up in my. Look still got the slash wounds across my fingers where they grabbed the knife, ah, managed to get it into my hands, and then we give him a good kick in. He ah, ran off, and then I collapsed. I'd lost so much blood. You know, if you get stabbed in the thigh, oh, yeah. you can use a lot of, a lot yeah, of the blood. The flame
0: will artery, yeah.
1: yeah well, pe- a lot of people die because yeah, yeah. people tend to think that if you stab someone, they always go for the legs in the backside, thinking that they won't kill them. But they don't realize, there's a, like you say, there's a yeah. huge artery here. You yeah, know, yeah. you can bleed to death. So, yeah, I then collapsed. So I was in the hospital, drips, blah, 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 blah. The policeman wouldn't let me in the car because he didn't want me bleeding all over the back of the car. And then that same dude, that same policeman, who didn't want me in his police car, a couple of days later, stopped me in the street. And they, they'd blocked off. Um, they, they had, there's a place called Gloucester Avenue, they call it the Hip Strip, and they were having a carnival there, a Monday night carnival. I think it was the first time they'd done it for the tourists and whatever, you know, reggae music and bowl, dance contests, yeah. whatever, whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And they cordoned it off just before it started getting busy to search people. Yeah. Now, when I say search people, and this is another thing we have, to, we have to, you know, be honest about the insidiousness and the nuances of racism, okay? This is, this is Jamaica, and who's getting searched by the police in Jamaica? No white people, no women, no older people. Young black men, that's it. So if you want to get your knife in, give it to your girlfriend. She ain't getting searched. Yeah. If you're a tourist, you want to get, get past away with your cocaine? Give it to your white mate. He ain't getting searched. This is Jamaica. It's, you know? Uh, <clears throat> young black men getting searched. They had a big truck. As I discovered, they were searching people for weapons. So there was just like knives, machetes just going on the back of this truck. It ended up <laughs> piled with weapons. <laughs> wow. But I only discovered that because I went down there early and they were, as I say, searching young black Jamaican men and me even though I'm apparently the white boy. (laughs) At that point, wasn't white enough to not get searched. You know what I'm saying? Worst of both worlds, you know? Um, And I had a few spliffs in a cigarette box in Jamaica. So I thought, well, you know, all right, you know, even if I get, you know, even if I got nicked in England, I'd probably, you know, maybe in the cells a bit, maybe go to court, pay a little fine. At worst, or you might just take it off, you'll let you go, you know? So I'm not worried about this at all, Jamaica, you know? Fine. It was illegal, weed was illegal at the time It isn't, now. it was then, But didn't quite work out that way So I was in the, I was in the cells And they kept me there all night Took me to the cells And then I was with this local lad Who'd been locked up for harassing tourists And he, he was saying to me So uh, it's okay, you go to court tomorrow You pay a fine, you carry on with your holiday It's all fine, so that's cool He said, oh, how old is your rude boy? I said, oh, I'm 16 mm-hmm. You tell them you're 16 already? I was like, yeah, why?" That mean you go a family court. And this was on the Monday night, yeah. I said, I mean you go a family court. I was like, all right. What time's family court? He goes, I said, Thursday. Thursday! <laughs> so hang on a minute. And then, come family court, so I got moved from there to this other place called Barnett Street Correctional Facilities. Okay, Thursday, and I got harassed. Obviously, now I'm walking into these places. Okay, it was like a juveniles place. So, man walking down to the place where they have the fellas locked up down this track there was guys shouting at me in these cells it was like a Oh, man, it's a horrific place. And this guy's shouting at me, you, white man, red man. There was another one, red man, you with me, red man. And I've got these big red Alessi boots on. I've got these nice, fancy, baggy oh. pants from the, from, the, from, the, from the you know, St. John's market. I've got a nice shirt on, that nice Malcolm X t-shirt underneath. Yo, give me that shirt, them shoes is mine, red man. I was, oh, no. Oh. Now, I don't know what would have happened if it had been with them dudes, but they put me in this juvenile bit which was all girls. So I went from that, and then I walk into this, on this landing, and it's like, oh, there's girls in that cell. Oh, there's girls in that cell as well. More girls. I, like, well, I don't know what's going on here, but it's better than down there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but then there was this one cell for boys. But of, so in that cell at that time, when I first went in, there was another lad about my age, uh, and another lad maybe... A year younger and then they set up on me then it's like oh white man give us your shoes take your pants down let's see what money you've got in your pockets take your pants down so we can see if you've got shorts on or what money you've got in your shorts and obviously I'm not going to give you my shoes and I'm not going to pull my pants down and I've got two massive gaping holes in my leg you know and I don't really want to expose them and no I'm not going to pull my pants no I'm just not you know yeah. um, so they attack me with one of them he had like a weapon stashed behind like where the railings are uh, it's like, a, like just like a long piece of metal sharpened at the end oh. and he's trying to attack me with that so I had to defend myself <sighs> against that. And how, how were you defending yourself against that? I battered him. <laughs> 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 I, bat- I came from a good then,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> But I had no, ch- I had no choice. Yeah, he was poking su- me with the thing. Raw you know, survival. And you know, when you think you're bleeding, I, like I don't know because i got to do me clothes but I, I now can, it feels like maybe I'm bleeding now yeah. and I'm against the railings so I just I tried to defend myself and I, I was, yeah. I, was like, I was strong and I, I trained myself how to fight as well as being naturally strong and yeah. I, I'd, I'd been running and swimming since I was six so I was, I was you know I
0: could move Um so well, yeah there was I, three of them did you say
1: at that point there was two there was there was another guy another yeah. younger kid later on at that yeah, point there was yeah. two of them uh, and then I was king of the cell so you batted him and you're king of the cell yeah then the next day they brought in another. In fact, there was two other guys. Anyway, they brought in another guy, R.A. The next day he was tough. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm not king of the cell.
0: Yeah. Did he have to fight you for that to get the crown?
1: No, he just had to get my shoes off me. Oh, how did,
0: how did that happen? I just gave them to him. <laughs> 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 <I> mean, <laughs> I this is going to be a big war story. this. <laughs> you just knew, did you? You just knew it was. Situation. Oh, they, they,
1: they, they were all talking in patois knowing that I couldn't really go into yeah. deep patois yeah. so I couldn't understand <laughs> what he was saying and I could just get the gist and yeah. they were like they, they were going he's pretty hard you know and and he's going I'm pretty hard you know and there's three of us and they're going yeah we'll have him and then they're going and he's going them shoes is mine you know and then they, 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 as soon as he start then he turned back to me I'm like you have them mate and then I got them back <laughs>
0: I got them back <laughs> Alright first question If you hand something over that easily Yeah Then don't they try and take everything else off you Because they think Alright this guy right We can get everything off him now
1: I think Well you know Well I just wasn't I just wasn't having that You know, you know yeah. what You've had enough man You've had enough I ain't actually got no I did, I did pull my pockets out And go look and still still are looking pathetic With my pockets hanging out Go look there's not an in in pockets. I had money in me sock. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you didn't shake yeah, me sock. Yeah. Uh, not not an in them pockets. You've got me shoes, and and also as well, you know, maybe you are tough, but you know you've got you you're probably gonna get hurt, man. If you all three of you attack, you've seen what I did to you two, man. Do you know what I mean? So just 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 take the shoes, man. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then the next day, <laughs> so I then there was three three concrete bunks. All I was in there was concrete, and there was three concrete bunks sticking out the wall. Yeah two on that side, one on that side, a little tiny shower nozzle at the back whereby a tiny trickle of tepid water comes out. And you, and you try and get a wash and you go like that and rub this bit of water and then come out smelling worse than when you uh, went in there. What and, about pissing and shitting? Well, there's just a just the toilet open. So you have to watch each other shitting.
0: There's a toilet...
1: Open. What? No, not covered. Just, no. just, just a toilet. So yeah, shower yeah. there, toilet there, but nothing, it was all open. What's so, the toilet look like? It was just a concrete, as far as I remember, just a concrete lav. But yeah, like yeah. I like, like kind of like attached to like the, the, the floor and, and, and the wall? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it couldn't be ripped off or anything. It wasn't gotcha. like it wasn't like a royal Dalton that you could rip off the wall. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> with it was just a concrete thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, so then the next day <clears throat> when they came for me for court, um I just I was I I slept on the floor. I went, look, I, I'm I'm outnumbered. I, so I woke up with, like, insect bites all over me. Oh, did you see yeah. the insects? No, not that I remember. I just remember waking up, and I was A just... I went, I went like, oh, what's that? And yeah. all these bites just turned into spots of blood. It's like, <sighs> you know what I mean? Because, <sighs> um, as I say, I wasn't going to even... I, I'm out of here tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'll sleep on the floor. That, you have me boots. I'll sleep on the floor. That's cool. But then when the guards came for me in the morning for court, mm. it was just me going to court. So I just I got up, the, like... English boy God So I just I got up And I looked at the guy Lying there On the bunk With my boots next to him And I just went Thinking, well, that's that, you know. What are you gonna do? And
0: then,
1: then, Uh oh oh, mate, Uh and then I got in court. Yeah. In court, they say to me, So, because you're 16, we're gonna have to write a juvenile report on you. And I'm going, What? And, 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 and this court, my mum asked my brother to get the uh, phone number. No, to get the fax number. Remember faxes? Faxes, yeah. <laughs> to get the fax
0: number. Wow.
1: Get the, oh, to get the fax. <laughs> and me, me was, he was, he was, my mum was, our kid was like, mum, you don't even have a phone. He was phoning from the hotel. Mum, you, you haven't got a phone in the court, let alone a fax. Yeah? <clears throat> so, we're going to write a juvenile report, post it back to England, Whereupon the English probation service will fill in the juvenile report, sign it, post it back to Jamaica.
0: Okay.
1: Until such a time, <laughs> until such a time as we receive that juvenile report back from England, yeah, we will have to, for the safety of you and law abiding citizens of Jamaica, for having to be in a sticky box, we will have to keep you confined. <laughs> and like the sweat just. You go. Well, what 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 are they doing to me? What what's going on here? Mm. What's this game? Yeah. So and now I'm thinking also. When I walk out this courtroom, I'm going back in that police car. Where? Are these I'm going back to that cell where I just took me. Oh. Uh oh,
0: mate. <sighs> and the funny thing. Were you going over it in your head what was going to happen?
1: Just yeah, just. Man, I'm I'm dead, man. This is
0: so. Did and... You say, "Well, I just borrowed them for court." <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And obviously, I'm thinking. What I was really thinking, as well, more so than that, is the the dates they had set me for going into court was um, about four weeks after we were due to fly home. Mm. So this meant that now, the rest of my stay in Jamaica, I was going to be banged up. But also mm. for another few weeks after that, I was going to be banged up until I go to court. And what are they going to do then? Mm. Say some other crazy things to keep me there longer? Because well, well, I've had a few spliffs in a cigarette, but what is happening here? You, you know? get a
0: report sent from a foreign country. That's bureaucracy, weeks, months. Could take forever. And the English Embassy didn't care about
1: me. So I'll make that quite clear. The English Embassy did... Out. didn't get a visit no not, no not a visit nothing even though i had highly educated professional parents in england mm. who know people contacting people every day all day not sleeping at night mm. and working on it i didn't get a single visit from the english embassy mm. the american embassy got me out so we come back to that later maybe the american embassy that, i don't know yeah. why the American embassy made someone do something about it, but the English embassy didn't.
0: Wow. Isn't
1: that weird? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funnily, anyway, the boots thing, when that story um, was I went back to the cell. And this is a funny thing about, I bet, I bet you know this from being in prison. Mood and, and people's behavior can change like that. And because it's such an extreme situation that you're in, you get these extreme swings of mood, and when I went back into the cell, it was almost like, at that moment I went back in there, the 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 the, the vibe that they were on was like with that that down vibe. You know, you get that moment in, them times in prison, where it's just like everyone's just like,
0: like Christmas Day.
1: There's just nothing. Yeah. And it was like, and it was like, it was like they didn't even, like a second in the, in the book. It was like. They didn't even notice me, and, and you know, weren't even aware that there was a, a white boy wearing some big red boots now in the cell with them. Really? It was like nothing. Wow, nothing. Didn't even say anything. Yeah. And and then they, 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 sometime after that, they got me and two other lads um, in a car, drove us into the mountains <coughs> to this place called Cops, place of safety for boys, right. which is where they ended up in the the strong room, which is this underground dungeon. Wow. Now, Cops. <laughs> it makes me laugh I, I researched cops while writing the book and even the Jamaican Gleaner the Jamaican newspaper visited there mm. some a few years after I was there and did the report on it about how bad it was there and I'm like even the Jamaicans think it's rough for cops you know what I mean uh. and even they didn't mention the, the strong room I don't know if they just didn't show the journalists the strong room but even they in doing a report on a place and how bad it is did not mention that they've got an underground dungeon where they keep people for punishment, where the toilets haven't flushed it looks like forever, the taps don't run, so you can't, and you're in there 24-7, so you can't have a wash, you don't get any decent food, twice a day they put in some tepid bottles of water and some buckets of mush, and you eat from whatever you've got, like a milk carton or whatever you can get hold of, you know, a, a bit of a plastic tub or whatever you've got, eat with your hands, and guys are in there for months. How'd you get your piss and shit out? on top of the big pile of piss and shit in, oh. in this unfl-
0: these unflushing toilets. I remember in Arizona, we had no running water for three days. So the mound of shit just rose above sea level. And we had a towel over the toilet, but it didn't stop the fucking smell. I mean, that, it was just oh, raw and, sewage. And, in a, in a and hot you country. had to sleep
1: next to that. Yeah. And in the hot country. Yeah. You know, yeah. So yeah. Jamaica's yeah. tropical. This was underground in a tropical country, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like a... Yeah, so anyway, it's a place where they punish people for fighting, trying to escape that kind of thing. She so went with some lunatics. And, and, and I lunatic- guess for being a
0: white boy. So you're like, in with some lunatics then.
1: You know, there were seven lads in there who were all from Kingston and they were all really well dressed, nice shirts, nice shiny shoes, nice pants. They were all in there together. Nobody they wouldn't tell anybody what they were there for. So everyone thought it was something really serious because they wouldn't talk about it. And they were nice, kept themselves themselves, she said it'd be okay. There was three younger lads who were just younger lads, just silly lads. There was one big massive Guy about maybe my age or older, who was just he was the the, the the object of ridicule. So one of the things he did every day was just think of an escape an escape plot, which obviously never worked, but it's a way to passing the time. And one of the plots it seemed regularly was to beat this guy up till he was in so much pain he screamed. that when the guards come, he rushed the gate and try and get out. And they, 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 he then while I was there, he had to get taken out and taken to hospital, get his head bandaged up. And then that evening comes straight back to the strong room to be beaten up again, you know. Oh. Um, and then <clears throat> there was these three guys who had the top bunks over there where you could see through these little gaps in the bricks into this room on the other side where there was a telly the guards sometimes watched. So that was why that was his top bunk. That was, that was the top bunk in the room. And his two friends, they were the ones who thought they were hard. And they were the ones who went at it, decided, we love you. So, you
0: know, all the then st- give us your shoes. To and you? Your- yeah. So as you're going in then, you're seeing yeah. this layout that you've just described. Yeah. Who, who approaches
1: you first? So a young lad went in before me. I call him Puppy in the book. Um, he was about, I'd say, 14, 15. He'd come from uh, Barnet Street with me. So they went, they went at him. You know what? It was like, It was like there was only one of them that had eyes on me, which I figured out later that he'd actually been partly raised in manchester and maybe that's why he had eyes on me ah. um because to the rest of them it felt like and again i wouldn't have said it like this at the time but looking back and it, it was almost like i was too weird to be real yeah it's like it's just like they just like looked through me like i wasn't there
0: yeah
1: and there was this this younger kid the two younger kids went in there with me one had a big burn on his neck they burnt him on the neck <clears throat> in the strong room with this with a burning stick
0: what the and prisoners that's,
1: had done hey eh? the prisoners had burnt his neck yeah like a big thing and that's why when he got out the strong room he then ran away from cops and they caught him and took him back to the cops back into the strong room and he just went and like made a hammock there was the, all the bunk beds with these rusted things and there's only a, like most of them had like a rusted underside which like is so rusted through you couldn't even lie on it because it just fall through Yeah. Um so he, he made a hammock with a sheet on one of these bunks and they just ignored him It's was like oh do you know who he is yeah, yeah? and he looked straight through me and this other kid, they started going to work on him, these three lads. So it was get up on our bed, waft us with a sheet, you're our slave now, you know, you, you're our servant. you waft us, you know, you serve us kind of thing, blah, 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 whatever. And then he started he was crying and everything, you know what I mean? He was real scared. They pushed him off the bunk in the end. And eventually <clears throat> this one guy who was onto me was just like, What are you looking at? Kind of you know what I mean? I was like, I'm, I'm not because I was just stood there in the middle of the I was go, what what happens now? Like I just standing there all day, the yeah, way, like, You know. Yeah. And then it was now. He thinks he's tough, so you've got to get up and waft us. Mm. So I get up on the bunk bed and I, I waft him like you know. Do you like giggling, <laughs> I'm like, man? So why, why are you mumbling? Laugh at you know? I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't waft you, man. <laughs> you know, just daft. And so like, okay, you think it's too English, boy? Thinking too tough to waft us, you know. Thinking too tough to be our white boy slave. So you have to fight us then. So, where's the game? Uh oh. So, get down, stand in the aisle between the bunks, okay? And there's one light bulb in the room, right next to this really badly drawn picture of a gun and the words room of death. <laughs> <laughs> room, of, honestly, room of death. And, like, who came up with that? Poetic. And, uh, and, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's one light bulb. <laughs> there's one light bulb, yeah? And it's like it, there's a break in the wire. So these three kids now are arguing over who gets the prime position by the wire for the game. Yeah. The light and dark game. I call it in the book, the light and dark game. Every time they disconnect the wire and the light goes out, one of these two guys, the top guy stayed on his bunk, but one of his two, you know, mates attacks me. And then when the light goes on, they pull back and that's the game. Holy shit, man. So... I've got my lip bust, and I've got a couple of cracks in on a couple of them a couple of times, and it's going back and forth. And then um, the guy on the top bunk, he went under his mattress, and he pulled out a big, thick stick and passed it down to one of his boys. Not the burning stick. Not the burning. It might have been the same stick. I don't know, but it was a big stick. Um, And so I'm like, you know, your brain just goes... It kind of of like a, almost like your your, your conscious mind like shuts down and you go into pure survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy, the lights went out, he came for me and there was no thought to it. As you know, in in a violent situation of conflagration, there's no thinking about it, it just happens. Um, But I knew knew kickboxing and and my foot just flew up as he came to me and my foot just flew in front of me and connected with his chest. And he like flew. Yes! <laughs> honestly, honestly. Oh, did, 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 this, this is only, it doesn't end well, Sean. It doesn't end well. <laughs> anyway. Don't focus. He knocked me out don't. right away. You sent him, man, flying. <laughs> oh, fly, honestly. And then, Uh-oh. weirdly, weirdly, what I did then, he's on his ass sliding across the deck. I then kicked off me big red boots again, no thinking to it. This is pure, you know, monkey man mode. You know what I mean? Pure survival, you know, pure limbic system, fight or flight. Boom, boom. I don't know why. Kicked off these boots that everyone wanted. So they flew across the room. (laughs) Yeah. And then jumped over the guy and started pounding him in the face. (laughs) And I saw out the corner of my eye his big lanky friend grab the stick. And I'm thinking, yeah. I'll have to deal with that in a sec, you know. And to my memory, just at the moment that I thought, deal with that now is when it went boom across the back of my head, you know. And I stood up and, and, and staggered back, uh, you know, and then just like, and he swung for me again, just as I went, boom, and it kind of missed me because I was just falling on my ass. And he came for me and these dudes, these Kingston dudes behind me just went, enough. No, that's enough. You've had your fun. He's proved himself. Leave him alone. These guys thought they were the top guys, but you can't do anything against these these Kingston guys, man. Yeah, yeah. They're just letting you sit there, mate.
0: Yeah. You know? So,
1: um, and then, um, and then they... There was guys, there was a big, underneath the Room of Death sign and the light bulb was a big steel door, with like a big letterbox thing in it. And um, there was guys looking through that as all this was happening, shouting, oh, fuck up the white man was one of the things that gonna Fuck up the white man and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But then it was like, as soon as this kick I was like, oh, white man tough, you know? White, white man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Him kicked like Van Damme and all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And then, uh, so then, it was now, yeah, I'd been... Beaten, but I had respect.
0: Yeah, you showed heart.
1: I stood up for myself. Yeah. And uh, then the guys on the other side, this is where the dormitory is on the other side of this. Well, there's this room. Then above that, there's a dormitory area. They went and fetched me a a mattress, a sponge mattress that stank of your iron, but Mm. it was a mattress and a a sheet, a once white sheet (laughs) that stunk (laughs) of your iron as well. But it was a sheet and they passed it through. And uh, yeah, and I had... Like half half a bunk because the, the, the part of it was too rusted to do anything with. And I, the mattress ripped in half as it was coming through. So I gave half of it to this young kid who, who slept next to me, who'd let me sleep on the floor, you know, back in Parliament Street, but never mind, you know, and engaged in trying to, you know, uh, trying to bully me with these other two guys. But, you know, it's fair enough, you have that bit of mattress, man. Um, now he was scared and crying and everything, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, so <laughs> what bitch wants to tell next,
0: Sean? <laughs> this is you are brilliant at describing things. Just don't um cut it short. Just keep going. Okay. Exactly what happens next, just moment by moment. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm absolutely gripped. Okay. A couple of days later.
1: I've got a visit. Now it's taken me brother, who in the book I've changed the brother's character. I don't want to talk about people who are I have no right to talk about other people. I'll be as honest. People call this book brutal, visceral, because it's so honest. I say the things that you're, not, you're only meant to think and not say out loud. Yeah. But I don't mind doing that about me, but I won't do that about other people. So the other people are kind of amalgamations. So the character increase in the book is my cousin, and he's made up of amalgamation of various different characters. Yeah. But in the real life story, there's my brother. <clears throat> and he, they wouldn't tell him, the court wouldn't tell him where I was. And it took him a few days just to find out where I was. Mm. And then he had to get someone to take him there into the mountains, to this place. Um, and then I think what he did was bribe the guards, you know, and um, they let me out of the strong room. And I was then in, you know, cops proper, if you like, in the dormitory. And immediately I'd seen this guy as I was walking. And there was this tall, the, on, the only photograph I've got in there was taken from the back of a taxi one day. My brother had turned up and just taking a quick photograph of me and this this other lad, who they called Tallis. Everyone in Jamaica's got a nickname that refers to something about the character or the way they look. He was tall, so he was called Tallis. Okay. <laughs> in the book, I call him Shepherd, because uh, he was a shepherd. He was an angel, tall, beautiful guy. And straight away, you know, you have like a spark with people, yeah. Especially in extreme situations,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. That kind of building a friendship thing happens like that. Yeah. You just know. Because again, you, you you're react you're reacting to situations, you're interacting with people from that deeper, um the, 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 that that more oh, what's the right word? P- primal yes. aspect of yourself. Yeah. It's like people describe being in like in the war, first world war, and, and, and running across no man's land and just diving because they just knew a bullet was coming that way and they couldn't hear it, they couldn't see it, but they just you just know instinct it's that. That's the way you are, isn't it, in these extreme situations? Heightened senses, animalistic. Hightened sensitivity. And that also happens with regards to empathy and love. It's not just the negative stuff. So anyway, me and this guy, we just clicked, and he was the toughest guy in there. I never saw him hit anyone. He used to walk around with this big stick, and he'd move the, the younger kids with it. Move, man, move, move, you know. <laughs> but I never saw him hit anyone or threaten anyone or bully anyone yet. He was the toughest, most respected person there. But he was just a beautiful guy.
0: When you say clicked, what was your initial conversation with him?
1: So him and a bunch of his mates had all approached me as they were leading me to the strong room. So obviously everyone's running to see the new people and the white oh my god white boy, this this little kid white boy white man white man beg you $2 white man that was one of the things he was beg you $2 you know give me $2 um beg you $2 white man and he was just at the front like moving these, like 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 like, like Moses part in the red sea with this <laughs> you know <what> I anyway mean? <laughs> part in his kids and just looked at me and everyone else was looking at me in different ways a bit aggressive or maybe you know inquisitively or whatever and he was just like and as soon as I got out of there, he just put his arm around me and led me into the dormitory. Wow. And he, he sat me down on, on his bunk. which And now it was quite clean in there, you know, and there's all these white, actually white sheets, you know. <laughs> and, um, and he sat me down on his bunk and he, he, he sent a couple of lads to go in, to go and get a sheet and a mattress for, and a pillow for me off somewhere else. because wow. so he went over to another lad, another one of the older lads, battered him, took his stuff, put it on the bunk next to Taurus's bunk. And, 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 and then he got a younger kid to make me bed for me. Wow. And then he said, you know, if you have any money, maybe we could, you know, you could give something to the, young- they go to the shop, we have some f- little biscuits, celebration. I was like, yeah, go I, 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 As it so happens, <laughs> I, I, I've got some. <laughs> I said, oh, you keep it in your sock, <laughs> wood, boy. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, 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 and I was like, well, what I've got's yours. I'm, I'm, I'm not and now. now you know, you, you, you're, you're my angel. He's like, no, no sure, sure, yours. Sure, sure. We don't want your money, but just maybe give him $20 and go to the shop. Because the, the little kid went to the shop, got some biscuits, some bag juice. Bag juice is a thing they have in Jamaica. Some juice in a bag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: they got a load of bag juice, and biscuits, cakes, whatnot. <clears throat> and we had a bit of a feast. And that was it. Um, from then on, I was on the bunk next to Taurus's bunk. And um, he looked after me. The couple of the lads went up, out the gate up to the mountain. I gave them some money. He went and bought some weed off a raster at the top of the mountain. Came, but we sat in a tree and we smoked and we laughed. And they asked me funny questions about. <laughs> oh, just read the book, folks. I, I don't even want to go into the questions they asked me. It's probably maybe offensive for, 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 for saying it on camera. But yeah, we had great conversations about girls and England and money and whatnot, whatnot. And um, I, had a, I had a bunch of friends, <laughs> that was that. <laughs> and we had a laugh, and then not so long, maybe a week after that, it was my birthday. I was sat on a wall one day, and I was like, I said to one, so what day is it today? And he's like, oh, whatever it was, it was Thursday or whatever. And he said, I said, oh, you know, it's my birthday tomorrow. And he went, true. And at tallest was sat here, just after this, this other guy, scarecrow. And I said, he said, it, it, it's Alice's birthday tomorrow too, you know. I was like, I said, it's your birthday tomorrow. Said, yeah, man. He said, I'm old, I he said, I'm 17. Yeah. I said, I'm 17 tomorrow as well. Wow. So when would you? So? I said, I was born at 10 past 10. Me too, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> And so we went for a celebration. Um, Some of the guys, again, they went and got some chicken and they nicked some plantain from a nearby field and they made some dumpling and made some jerk chicken and got some beer and we had a feast and they nicked some pans from the kitchens and we had a feast and a party and we got in trouble because we left beer and spliffs and nicked pans all over the place and we got in trouble the next day. And we were like, you know what, let's let them worry about cleaning up. Maybe we should... Give them some space and go for a swim in the river. Yeah, so you could just wander out of cops, just wander out there. The, the guys were just like some guys in scruffy jeans and Hawaii sh- sh- shirts, you know what I mean, with sticks, bullying little kids. But, you know, they weren't, they weren't, you know, guards, they were just, you know, some dudes. So we just wandered out of there, went down to this river. And now, two of the lads, tallest, this beautiful angel who looked after me. Because nobody else could bully me now or anything because he was my best friend. And everyone knew. It was like straight away, boom, it's them two. It's Tallus and, and White Boy, you know. So Tallus was swimming. There was lads washing in the river, having a laugh, pushing each other in, splashing each other. Torless and another guy. Hmm, I call him Red Douglas in the book. I'm trying not to use people's real names just out of respect. Anyway, t- Tallus and, and Douglas, they were having a race, swimming. And I was a good swimmer. Been swimming since I was six, as I mentioned, and they were trying to get me to go in and have a, have a swim. And I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, nah, I've got these big holes in me leg. I'm not getting in like a foreign river, With big, you know what I mean? And I also had a big hole in me back there as well, you know, and my fingers were all still slashed. Uh. No, no. So okay, but I was thinking, I was looking, thinking I'd smash them in a race, you know, I'd well beat them. But it's okay, I'll just sit here and watch, you know, have a smoke and whatever, relax, you know. And uh, and then one after the other. As I'm watching them swim, the two of them, they just went, Pshh. Ah, under the water, no splashing, just dead calm. Pshh. So I'm sitting there I'm looking, my, like, I'm thinking, are they going to pop up under the trees over there or something? Or did they have, are they having a bit of a laugh or they weren't the kind of like have a practical joke type people, you know? But I was like, what, what's going on? Like, this not there, you know. Uh, uh. And eventually, one of the guys, <laughs> Ganja Baby, <laughs> uh, he, he got out. They were all got funny names, you know. One of them got out and they were like chatting up at me going, where'd them go? Where'd Thales go? Where, where, where'd them And I'm, I'm just sat there. Heat in my eyes, you know, heat pumping up from me chest. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Where, where? And then they're walking up and down up and down the riverbank, shouting, shouting the names. Where'd them go, man, where'd them go? Looking at me like, how the fuck am I supposed to know where they are? I don't know. They went like that. They disappeared, mate, I don't know. And eventually, we decided you know, to walk back to cops, and there was these two old guys, sat on the veranda of this old wooden house, drinking red striped smoking cigarettes, you know. And they'd watched us walk down there, you know. And one of them said to us, you lose your friends? And the guy's go, yeah, yeah, you see them, you see them? And this dude goes, nah. them dead man. Enough man drowning in that river and all. You know? have It's a, a spinning undercurrent. And like, when we got back to cops and we told them what had happened, There was one female member of staff who seemed to be, like, kind of in charge. She said to us, well, you see what happened when you break the rules? Holy shit. That was all she said about it. And about two days later, I had a visit, my first visit, from this guy who worked for the American Embassy, who also, as it happened, owned our hotel and didn't want to help us, I don't think he liked us, <laughs> pretty much, he, saying, he hated us, but, <sighs> the American embassy forced him, to do something, not the English embassy, the Americans. I don't know why, and, um, had your
0: brother, contacted someone or something?
1: Obviously, you know, he was in the hotel, that this guy owned, and yeah. stuff, you know, and so we kind of, and he was in contact, with my mum and dad, and they were phoning around, like crazy, and yeah. what not, but I, and my mum and dad were getting in touch with the American embassy and the English embassy and the Jamaicans and anyone that my dad knew in Jamaica. And, oh, but, but what happened was the American embassy pushed, went, you, go and do something about that. Wow. Um, so he, he was visiting me on the day that they found their bodies uh, downstream and a, lo- a load of the lads and the younger kids all went down have a look at them and they came back and told me they were kind of bloated and blue Um, <sighs> and from then on also the main thing that was then said to me was uh, a you know a uh, tireless duppy with the white man uh, duppy means ghost Um, and it wasn't a, you know they weren't saying that in a nice way it was kind of like um like a frightening thing I'll stay away from him because yeah. the, 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 the duppies with him you know, um, and yeah, and you know, obviously thinking through this for years and years and years and writing down the story in kind of chronological order a number of times over the many, many years it took me to write the book. I've got this idea, what at least to my memory, this was a long time ago, you know, memory is very frail, isn't it? But you know, to so my memory, I've got this chronological order of events, and from that point on, it's a it's like a it's like a mess, it's like a blur. You know what I mean? A blur of I remembered that bit, and I know new 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 lads came, and then there was all this new thing of they're trying to establish themselves now, and there's no tallest now, so who's the main guy now? And there's a white boy. And now they want me boots and want to harass me and see if I've got that. They want to spit at me and call me white man or say whatever, whatever. Because now I'm like a loon. I'm like. Poof.
0: With Taurus gone, did his protection not carry forward and did it end when he ended?
1: You know, the other boys who had been mine and Taurus's friends liked me and they were, they were nice to me, you know. Um, but I didn't really have that spark with them. Mm. And then when you... And honestly, I cannot remember any of these new faces or exactly what they said and did. I just know it was like there was stuff going on and there was a lot of this duppies with the white man and white man give me your boots and you know all this new kind of like negativity. But I was like... And it must have been like... I must have seemed like a madman because I was like just... I'm not talking to you. I'm not scared of you. I'm not answering. I'm not giving you anything. Just... I can't even remember where I was sleeping at that time. You know, like... I must have still been in that same bunk next to where Taurus had been sleeping. But I actually have no fixed, clear chronological memory of the days after that.
0: So you're in shock.
1: I must have been like yeah. a PTSD, you know. Yeah. So this guy who owned our hotel, he he came to visit me three times, and eventually got me back into. Family court, and he had to sign for my bail, um, and then keep me in the country. Now remember, now that he's signed for my bail, he's got my passport and flight pass in his safe in the hotel. Like he used to put like and, and, and travelers' checks, remember them? Yeah, and, and you put them in like a, a brown envelope, and you sign over the sign of the envelope, you know. So no, and they're in they're in his safe and he wants to keep me in the country, and he's signed for my bail, and I'm in his hotel, and I'm thinking, no fucking way are we staying in the country, <laughs> we're getting on that fucking flight, yeah? Now, fortunately, we people, people, I, I have a way of telling what happened in the book that isn't actually the way it happened, and I won't even say exactly how it happened, even though it was a long time ago. I'm not going to implicate anybody else. Of course, yeah. Um, but we got our shit. <laughs> and we got out of there.
0: You cracked the safe and nobody else was involved, of course. Of course. <laughs> and
1: we got, the, we got to the airport. We had to sneak out the hotel. We had to set up a hole. Thing to get us out of there without anyone seeing us and we got to the airport and we got into the, you know what that's fucking so stupid lads are dickheads aren't they we got to the airport and honestly we'd now by this time by the way what, we'd hired out a moped we had like about three days left in Jamaica before we had to make a plan for getting the fuck out of Jamaica because that was when our flight was due okay um, so, we, so what we did was got on a moped and drove five and a half hours, it took us about from Mo Bay right across the top of Jamaica and then down to Kingston to go to the Reggae Sunsplash Festival <laughs> <laughs> on, this, like, on this rev and rip. This proper Yamaha rev and rip, the, zzzz, the, 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 the only just about got us there before, and then broke down. We had to get it fixed, and then it had no keys because the guy fixed it but lost the keys. And then just about got us back to Mopei, and then we had to escape from the country. And then we did manage to kind of escape, got to the airport, and then remembered there's an airport tax in Mopei. That's only like five dollars or something, but we had no money left. Lots of dickheads. we still- no, I'm like, shit, oh. Oh, we can't get in the terminal. <laughs> we, someone gave us some money. We got in the terminal. And, uh, How did you get the money? A couple of uh, girls from Manchester helped us out. S- just went. And we were stinking now. We, you know, we, oh. we must have looked like maniacs. You know, we'd been through this experience. We were skinny, drained, stinking. You know, I <laughs> you know, was just like wide-eyed monsters. And uh, anyway... The answers so we got into the terminal and then we sat there while our flight was delayed for four hours. And I was just sat like that. And at one point, like a few hours, like four hours into this, like, oh God, we've had it, when we've had it. This is our kid just went, Ash, come, and I didn't even look up. And we'd left nearly everything in the hotel room. Including, like, you know, anyway, some insults for the hotel owner. And anyway, um, so we ne- never had much with us. And we ran into this wine store, you know, um, duty-free, and I hiding behind the, the, the shelves of wine. And they're here. The no. owner of the hotel is here no. with a policeman. And no. you can't just walk into an airport terminal, even if you're the police. But this is Jamaica. And I didn't see them, but apparently they're there looking for us. And apparently they'd looked, I, like, I didn't see it as I had my head down, but apparently they'd looked right over us, like that. And we'd be like, so what? Okay, so we have no choice. There's there's some people going up them steps, up them stairs, and along that corridor. We leg it, mingling with them, get up the stairs, go along that corridor, follow wherever they're going. So... Right, just go, just go, we did that. Okay, we're up the stairs, we're along the corridor, we've got the flight attendants, we've got our flight passes, we're showing them to these girls, going, this isn't even our plane, we're just going, you know what I mean, just desperate, like, hmm? And they go, okay, down that way. We're like, really? They're just letting us on the plane. <laughs> This, this isn't our flight, you know what I mean? So, so we walk, we're walking down the, the corridor, the flight corridor, like, I'm like, show, our, show them to the, you know, the flight attendants on the plane. Like, oh, yeah, you're on that, that seat in that aisle. <laughs> like, we're the only people in this airport that didn't hear them call. Because we must have been that zoned. We didn't know it was our. This was the Manchester flight. This was our flight. <gasps> and then, honestly, honestly, and then the flight was delayed for an no! hour. <laughs> What's on? going through your head? I'm dead. So um, they said, you know, apparently somebody had stole the bag on the plane and they didn't know who it was. There was no oversight. They, they had to find out who was the owner of this bag. Yeah. Um, and I sat there for an hour going, like, S, you know, the seat's like this high. And I, I was in the aisle seat. I, I sat there for an hour going, sweating with eyes like golf balls going, just waiting to see them walk on the plane. Yeah. And my brother's saying, I sh- Honestly, I said I've never been so scared in my life. But trust me. For one, you can I know they were in the city, but You can't just walk on a plane. You can't, oh. even if you're the police. For two, once we get once that plane, once this plane's in the air, they can't. Not, they can't do anything at Manchester. And three, you look really on top. <laughs> you make <making laughs> us really on top, lad. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, all right, no one. All right, all right, all right. And <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then mm. uh, anyway, the plane did take off. We got back to Manchester, and then checked this—you know—just to, just to kind of top off the whole like uh, this story. The way I've written the story is an exploration of many many things. But one of the things we're exploring is race, racism, racial dualism, polarity. It, this black and white way of looking it categorizing human beings. It's a pseudo-science, it's not real. It was invented by the European empires as a a way of enslaving and then eventually colonizing people and taking whatever gold and minerals and whatever else they could find in the workforce from the Americas and the African, and also further east in India and whatnot. They invented this system, a hierarchy that puts them at the top and black people at the bottom Okay, it's not a real. There's no. There's no science behind that form of categorization. Okay, now particularly now with genetics, um, but we have this system, and it's so deeply ingrained. It's been a 500 year process of ingraining, indoctrinating us all with this system. And us as black and brown mixed race people, we have it in us as well. We are not immune to the same nonsense. Crime watch news at 10. History books and so on. Movies where they're all heroes are white. We we, we grew up with the same stuff in the same country, and we get to be a certain age, usually getting out of our, you've got your, your, your baby, then you have a childhood, and then you go to be a teenager, and you develop your, you go through your id phase, your ego phase, your super ego phase, and now you're an adult, before you even, for most of us, start thinking about it and going, hang on a minute, what's really going on here? And then re-educating yourself, Okay. So, we have this system ingrained in us as well. It's almost like we are, if you like, as racist in a, in, in a, in a, in a kind of subtle way, in a deep way, you know, as everybody else. Because why wouldn't we be? Because we grew up in the same racist, stupid system. You understand? So, just to top off this whole story of racial <laughs> dualism, oh, this whole thing, this black lad, this N-word, all this. So, go to Jamaica it's all white boy this, white boy that. So, what happens as soon as you <laughs> land in Manchester? Okay, uh-huh. so... Again, everybody they searched coming off that flight from Jamaica in Manchester was young, black, and male. No women, no older people, no white people, okay? The only person they found with anything was a guy, just the most obvious drug dealer (laughs) ever. He's just the most shady looking dude. He looked looked kind of Cuban, even the way he was dressed and everything and the trilby and everything, and he had a suitcase full of weed, not even a towel over the top of it, just like big stacks of weed, we saw them open it, go, all right, so that's like uh, a lot of weed then, yeah, (laughs) you're next, you know, and then after he'd gone and everyone had passed through, they kept me and my brother there for ages, questioning us, and one of the only things I took back with me was like a raster, like a wooden carving of a raster head, and they drilled holes in it looking for the drugs, and, now remember, my mum and my sister—they've uh, given up. They've gone. Well, obviously, they're not on the flight. And the, but, but my mum's going. I'm. I, I'm staying here all day. I'll be all week. They are bringing my sons to that. Gate, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, the, the way mm-hmm. the way I kind of top it off in the book is just by like, you know uh, looking at each other and saying, well, at least now we know I'm a N-word again. Mm. You know, <laughs> at least that. Oh, at least to know where to stand yeah. in this racial hierarchy once again. <laughs> 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 oh God!
0: Wow, what a story, man!
1: <laughs> and that's the short Absolutely blown away.
0: <laughs> 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 so, they did let you through the gate to your mum.
1: Eventually,
0: how was that giving your mum a hug?
1: It's it's a vague memory, to be honest. Is it? It's a vague memory, yeah. I remember getting back to my mum's house very clearly and, um, yeah, phoning the owner of the hotel. Well, I didn't phone, I I, I didn't have that kind of confidence then. You know, my my brother was a very, as you know, he was an incredibly intelligent, charismatic, funny. Guy, uh, and he actually phoned the owner of the hotel because th- this guy, uh, again, it goes into more detail. But this guy had tried to keep us there, he tried to bully us, he tried to keep us on a curfew. When we hired that moped and drove to Kingston, we were on a 10 o'clock curfew, <laughs> 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 and then he didn't see us for two days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, this guy, you know, we, 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 you know, even though it was, I was out because of this guy, but he'd been made to do that. And he had no love for us, so we put the phone with him to tell him we were back in England, and you know
0: So was he pissed off because he was going to lose his bail money? was that one of the things
1: My dad being a very you know sensible well to do kind of professional guy sent him the money
0: really how mm. much was that
1: it was it was two it was two two thousand Jamaican dollars, which at the time was only in in england that's there was it was six, about 60 odd quid in English 60
0: money.
1: 60 quid, okay. <clears throat> um, but that's a lot one. of money in Jamaica. Yeah, you have to understand, yeah. in a third world country, where there, at the time there was about 43 Jamaican dollars to yeah. one pound. I believe, from speaking to Jamaicans uh, recently, that there is uh, the, the, the economy has been in total turmoil ever since. Mm-hmm. And there's even more Jamaican dollars to an English pound. Now the economy has tanked, but even $43 to a pound is like, so it's like, Monopoly money, Did so you
0: know. the hotel only get sweated then by the authorities in Jamaica?
1: Well, I guess he had, you know, he he, he had a high standing in, in the community, you know. Um, so I guess, I guess he will have been okay. It, uh, who know? Who knows what happened to him? Mm. He, it will have been embarrassing for him. But I gather that's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're back in the country. Are you banned? Then you can't go back to Jamaica.
1: I really want to go back to Jamaica. Mm but obviously I can't really risk that.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah.
1: I gather with there being, you know, <laughs> with there being not even a fax machine or a phone <laughs> in the court <laughs> at the time, I gather maybe the, the records they kept at those times, wasn't very good. Yeah. This is even before record keeping was so good anywhere. We, we, we didn't mm-hmm. have all these computer systems and emails and all this kind of, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, 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 is there any is there any bit of paper that has my name on it that says this guy skipped bail or I mm. don't know? Um, But I'm not going to risk it. what i need to do now is be honest about it and hopefully at one point i can approach the jamaican authorities and say i really really want to come back to jamaica look i had this experience but i am part jamaican i love jamaica i love jamaican people and jamaican culture i want to be part of this culture i'd love to help i work with young people in the community i work in schools i work in prisons and help people to turn their lives around i've had a lot of experiences that really, really benefit people and I'd like this book and my story and my experience to benefit Jamaica I just need to know that I'm safe to come back so we can bring this uh, uh, th- 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 this message that I know to Jamaica so just tell me I'm cool you know. but until, maybe when I get if the book becomes more prominent if I maybe uh, get taken on by bigger establishments you know then maybe the authorities will take me seriously and i can get back there that's me hope but so far obviously i'm not going to risk it
0: and for people watching this then all your links are going to be in the description box below this video okay. so um you can just click down there and, and get that so going into prisons then how did you establish that how does your message resonate with the prisoners
1: well yeah they love it so you can imagine, can't you? One thing I also do is, uh, okay. Shall I tell you briefly how how, how things start to change for me? Yes, please. How I became kind of the person I am now, yeah, doing it from being just a scally. Yeah. Because after that, you know, there's a thing called a self fulfilling prophecy, which means that like your community or society prophesizes who you shall be and you then take that on and fulfill that prophecy yourself, yeah? So it's almost like I I say to the prisoners, you know, someone knocks on your door and goes, thou shalt be dickhead. And you go, yeah, yeah, dickhead, I'm a dickhead, yeah. You know, and you become that person. So they treated me like a criminal. They treated me like someone who wasn't worthy of uh, being, um, hmm, who wasn't, uh, shall we say, academic, because I had the ADHD, so I can't fit into your schools. So I became someone who, I think I'm not intelligent. I think I'm expected to be tough. I think you expect me to be some kind of drug dealer, and nutter. You expect me to like to, to, to walk differently to you and to talk differently to you, you think I'm different. So I take on this identity. And then after Jamaica, I just carried on going, you know, off the, so I was fighting every weekend. It became, we ran, yeah, we had a business in Witness, in, in where you're for a few years, where we just had a terrible reputation, fighting every weekend. I got arrested nearly exactly a year after getting stabbed in Jamaica. I was arrested outside top of the town in witness with a long bladed kitchen knife trying to attack someone, you know. So people talk about why do people get into criminal activity? Why do people carry knives? I know why people carry knives. I know exactly why you get into that kind of activity because we all want the same things out of life. We all want to be accepted as part of a group, some kind of community. And if we don't feel part of our community, we'll find a community that we do feel part of, even if that's just a gang of mates acting hard. And indeed, acting hard gives you the other thing you want, which is to be known for being good at something. And if you're taught that you're not intelligent, or you're not worthy of fitting into the, and you don't want to do the other thing people are doing or going to some office shop because you've got ADHD and you can't sit there at a computer doing that. You just can't. You'll crack up. So, well, being hard, cracking heads in a pub of a weekend, well, that's something you're good at that'll do you understand selling drugs making money having a reputation well there's something you're good at so you become this thing because you want the same things you only want the same things a doctor dentist or nurse or teacher wants but you've got these other ways of attaining those things but obviously those things are short term because getting those things in that way will lead to problems you will find yourself in violent confrontations. Mm-hmm. You might find yourself injured or dead. You might have your freedoms curtailed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might find yourself addicted to something and very, very ill. You understand? Yeah. You'll find yourself the shame of your family, and that's not fitting in. That's not being a part of something. So it doesn't last its short term. You can be on steads dead hard. Are you going to be taking stellos, acting dead hard, and copping off with girls every weekend when you're 60, 70, 80 years old? Some people try, and we all know what you all think of them people, folks. (laughs) Yeah? So it's not going to last. So this is what we do in prisons. We talk people through that experience. I understand exactly what it is, what mentality it is, what kind of behaviours it is, what way of thinking, which leads to the way that you feel, which leads to what you do. What is that cycle that that winds you up in this kind of situation like being in prison? And even though at the moment you might be thinking, well I don't care, I don't give a shit about the authorities. I don't care if I'm in prison, I'm just going to sell drugs, I'm dead hard, I I've got a fit girlfriend, all this crap. Okay, how long is that going to last? Is this really what you want? Because ask yourself really what you want out of life. You want the same as everybody else. You want to live a long, healthy, happy life. And that shit that you're doing now is not going to last. So what are you going to do that is going to last to attain those things that you everybody wants what are you going to do and that kind of really kind of gives people a penny drop moment very very often because not only that not we also explain what are those things that you can do to understand how your mind works why you see the world the way you do how you can change that If you look at, we've got neuroscience and all that kind of stuff and psychology and psychotherapy and cognitive behavioral therapy and NLP and transactional analysis. We've got all this. Every day we're learning more about how the brain works, how to control your own mind and emotions and therefore what you're doing and also your interaction with others, how that works and how to get the most out of it. We're so good at understanding this now. There's no excuse for anybody. It, there's all it's all over the internet. There's video. Even if you can't read. Get on YouTube. It's everywhere. Okay, and it genuinely works. There are really simple techniques. Because what's happening here? It's like Professor. Is it Stephen Peters who trained Liverpool FC and wrote uh, the, the, the the Chimp Paradox? Okay, he's got a really simple way of looking at it. That kind of uh, that 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 primal that primitive the early human brain, the animal bit of us, that just all it does is the fight or flight bit, fight, flight, or freeze to keep you alive. And that's not a bad thing. Like nerves are not a bad thing. They're there to help you, to keep you alive. Okay. But what happens is when we lived out there and we had the saber-toothed tigers or the short-faced bear or whatever, yeah, (laughs) we had to be able to fight or flight real quick, boom, do the thing. And then you spend the rest of your time chilling out. Okay, so you use one part of the central nervous system, okay, called the sympathetic nervous system to do fight or flight. But then what's meant to happen is you use the other part of the central nervous system, parasympathetic, to do the other stuff. Feed, breathe, rest, digest. Nobody ever talked about those, did they? Funny, we've all heard of fight and flight. But people who lived in, in, in small communities, nomadic communities, that kind of thing, they wouldn't have been doing that very regularly. You're not constantly under attack. You're not constantly hunting. You're spending most of your time chilling out. Okay? So, we need to learn how... But what happens nowadays is we get these like, uh, this reaction to what we call like, like, like social stress. So, just being in there, oh, oh, what will Sean think of me? Oh no, is this going well? What, what, what are they out there? Am I, am I doing well enough? Oh, what, hang on, is this bus late? Oh, I wonder if my wife thinks that I did that. Oh, I wonder, hang oh, oh, on, the kids, oh my God, I'm going to be home educating the kids. Oh, my I don't, I don't even know, what, what, what is this? The algebra, I don't understand algebra. What the hell is algebra? What do you call it? A fronted adverbial? What the fuck's a fronted adverbial? Ah! Ha ha! You know, and, and what, you're getting into fight or flights over nothing. It doesn't matter what a fronted adverbial is or if the bus is late, it don't matter. So we we're, we're, were kind of in that fight or flight constantly and in stress. Now, you've got this part of your brain called the parietal lobe. I think I've pronounced that correctly. I see these things written down. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, but it's like the computer in the brain and what's in there is kind of your worldview and you can put anything you like in there. So if you change your worldview, as in the world is kind of a happy place, it's a decent place, most people are nice. People tend to like me, I'm good at what I do. People want to help me, for example okay, then what happens when you get into a situation is uh, this this primal, the, what what Professor Stephen Peters calls the chimp in your brain, this primitive bit of your brain deep inside your brain, the limbic system okay, this reacts five times quicker than the kind of the prefrontal cortex and the neocortex, the human bit, the bit that does the logic, okay so the illogical stuff happens five times faster than the logical stuff but that only sees in black and white. It only sees fight, it doesn't see nuance. It doesn't think, oh, well maybe this, or maybe, all of those, stay alive. If if you live outdoors and you see the grass move, and there might be a snake in the grass, you haven't got time for thinking, could be a snake, or it could just be the breeze. Oh, I'm dead, you understand? So it keeps you alive, but we don't need to be spending our time in fight or flight in this society where we ain't got any poisonous snakes, there ain't no sabre-toothed tigers or short-faced bears. And if you live quite a sensible life and don't put yourself in stupid places around stupid people, you're not getting attacked on a regular basis. <laughs> Unless you live in a war zone, but even then you have the choice. So anyway, you have simple techniques for how to control, your, change your map of the world, change what's in that computer, okay? Because your logical brain will look to the, 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 the chimp, for what to do, it'll also look to the computer, and go how do we think the world is, how do I think I need to respond? And then you can, your, if your mind changes, your emotional response will be different, and then your physical response will be different. And anything you do with any of them will change the other one. So if you want to change your what's happening with your mental response and your emotional response, then change your physical response. This is why people like Professor Stephen Peters teach footballers to never do this. It's losing. Mm. yeah, don't do that shit, yeah? Obviously, you can't be doing this <laughs> if you're losing. Yeah. You never see, you never see you saying Bolt wander onto the track like <laughs> that. I might win, but you know, that, that, that Blake he's, he's, he's good as well, isn't he? So I don't know, I don't know. I might win. No, he's just like oh, but I'll tell you what. Bam. There's a reason you understand. So I believe there's like a Blackburn FC maybe is one of these dudes. Someone like Stephen Peters, another one of these dudes who understands how to control your mind and emotions. He's taught them that if they're losing, they're not allowed to do this, but they can do this. That's not stupid, it's not going, yay, we're losing. <laughs> but it's kind of like keeping your body upright and it's telling the body, nah, we're still in action here. We've, we can still have this. You understand?
0: Physical changes the mental.
1: So anyway, there's real simple techniques for staying calm, communicating clearly, getting the most out of interactions with other people, reducing stress, getting a good night's sleep, and so on and so on. And it's not complex. It takes work and effort and it's a lifelong path, but it's easy to understand. It's easy to understand. Anyone can understand. I teach this to my kids. So obviously when we teach this in prisons, because we can start by talking about these stories whereby people in prison will connect with us and they've got to get on a level with us. But yes, man, you, you you know the kind of places I've been, the things I've seen, you've been there yourself. But also, you've now got this other way of being. And you're not telling me that you're ashamed of that either. You're just telling me, come on, stay there if you want. Carry on with that shit. I don't care. I don't care what you're doing, do I? Why would I care? But if you really want to get the most out of life, I can show you some techniques, man. I can just, not that I'm (laughs) your guru, but I can open a door and go, have a look in there, mate. Have a look in that library. It's all there. (laughs) So obviously, they love it. That was a long-winded way of asking your very simple question of how did he respond, does not it? But they love it.
0: No, that was really good. Like I said, we like long answers. Um, so when I was in Arizona prison then, CBT was one of the things that we did. Mm. Was it epictetus? We're disturbed not by things that happen around us, but by our interpretations of them. Our thoughts is what determines it. And we can exactly. control that. Exactly. So you see people like, picking on people and they react and then they get picked on the most but you can choose not to engage with that i mean you get that emotional reaction it's it's, it's you have to put a, a circuit break in your brain really don't you because that's to why stop the engagement the to get out flight. of that situation yeah because the fight or flight
1: thing happens five times faster than logical thought yeah. so that happens first but then you have the, the, the option to go ah that's happened and I'm not going to say, oh, that's terrible. Push it away. So, no, I'm just going to look at it and go. So now, what do I do? What do I do with the logic? There's different parts of the brain that are doing this. Yeah. So now you use the prefrontal love. You can actually picture it. Go, ah, this bit now needs to talk to that bit, and go, ah, what do I want to do with it? I know I've just gone into fight or flight. I've just panicked. My heart's just gone like that. But now, what am I going to do? Well, I'd like to stop my heart loving like that. Yeah. So how do we do that? I, th- I can think. It's okay. It's alright. I can breathe deeply. If you do just one long breath, your heart will already be going slower and you'll already feel as I do now,
0: <laughs> yeah, more yeah, relaxed. Yeah.
1: It's like nerves is a real simple way to explain it. We all know how nervousness feels, but what's happening when you're nervous in your brain and in mm. your body is the exact same thing as it's happening when you're excited. Mm. So if you're nervous about doing an interview or going on stage, and plenty, There's been tested over and over again mm-hmm. in studies, uh, if you just say to yourself, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. And even just saying that, you can see my face, like yeah, just, just, just yeah. saying those words, I'm excited, yeah. makes you feel happy and excited. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to perform better. Rather than going, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. Oh, shit, no. oh, my God, why am I doing this? Oh, my God. I, I spent 10 years as a rap artist thinking, I didn't start rapping until I was 21. So I spent 10 years, I didn't start reading books till I was 21. I was off the rails between coming back from Jamaica and being 21 and then getting into the creative bit, which changed my life. rapping changed my life and got me to where I am now. Um, But I spent 10 years going on stage feeling like I was going to be sick every time. Because I had to learn. And and during that time, I was just reading and reading and reading and reading and learning a lot of science stuff, a lot of mystical stuff, spiritual stuff, that kind of, but just trying to learn. The first book I... I read was given to me by the guy who got me into a band called Mac, the Mac of all trades he's called, now he's a a rapper, producer beatboxer, all around musician genius dude and he persuaded me to try these poems that I had as raps, with his rap band and that changed my whole world, everything changed everything now he had mates they were all very clever one of his mates was in Oxford University doing some microbiology, which if he's watching this he's going, it's not Microbiology. I've told you it's not my and then he explains to me what it is. He does I go, but that's all like bi- the biology of like like microbes and that. Microbiology isn't it? anyway, anyway. He was clever, clever dudes. And so I thought, shit. And I had, I'd never read a book. Um, and I wanted to write as well. I always knew I wanted to write. I didn't realise how hard it was to be a writer. I didn't realise I'd have to study for years and years, which involves reading, 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 reading everything. Anyway, Mark passed me a book called Where Are You Going? By this guy called Swami Muktananda. and that question—it's in there. A few people have noticed that. I know he's written, "Where are you going?" You can kind of asking the audience, where are, you, "Where are we going?" Aren't you? So, yeah, yeah. Because that question was everything for me. Where are you going? Which meant to me finding out where I was, which means finding out who I am, and how I got to be who I am which means understanding who we are as a society and how we got to be where we are, which means understanding who we are as human beings, which means what is the universe which, which we, of which we are. The big questions made. in philosophy. Exactly. Yeah. So through all that study, I eventually got to a point whereby, and through doing the things over and over again as well, I got to a point whereby and now I've got a lot of techniques I've taught myself from these books and seminars and courses and whatnot, um, that we can share in a very simple way with people in prisons and help them to do the same for themselves. And uh, the stories we could, the anecdotes we could tell you about people who have never done a course in their lives, never had a qualification, never had a job, who've been in and out of prison for decades, decades, drug addict, alcoholic, for decades. Don't have anything to do with the kids and the grandkids, you know what I mean? Just cr- crazy lifestyle. Who suddenly, throughout the course of the Rise Up program, just go. Oh, some of these guys, I know some of them, some of these guys will be watching this now, you know. And there's one guy, for example, um, he just stood up about session nine, and the whole time he was kind of like he looked like, you know, like inquisitive. He's like, he's like kind of, what 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 is going on here? And now they're doing poems, and now they're doing a bit of like drama, and now they're doing this, this like sitting and close your eyes and breathe, and this what? I said what? But he kept coming back. You know what? What is this? And then one day he sat there doing this thing the way he does, like frowning, and then he just stood up. And you know what? I see what you're doing now. He said the penny's just dropped. I've just, just this moment, I've just realised I don't want to be a weird guy who's in and out of prison all his life. I just want to be a dad and a granddad. And i yeah. <laughs> and you know what? He's out of Nick. And just before the lockdown happened, uh, probation, we're training him to uh, to be a mentor
0: for, wow. for other, other fellas on probation. That's absolutely fantastic.
1: That's it. So it's, just, it's, it's, all, it's all, it's all life turned around. And now he's, you know, he's talking to his kids and grandkids and he's just, and it's been a couple of years now. He's, he contacts me regularly. Yeah. Regularly gets in touch with me.
0: I know we're on lockdown, so a lot of the talks are shut down right now, schools and prisons. Mm. But if people want to reach out to you then to mm. contact you to get you to do talks when it all gets going again, mm. what link... Do you have a website for this that I can put in the description box? Yeah, Rise Up. Rise Up. Rise Up. Okay. Rise Up. Okay. Rise Up
1: C-I-C. Yeah. It's a community insurance company. Rise yeah. Up C-I-C. Mm-hmm. .co.uk, get in touch. You'll also see the straggler for the book on the website Mm -hmm. and links, you can contact us directly.
0: So you've come in here and told us absolutely brilliant, gripping story today. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat, man, when you were just going through that prison experience, so I really appreciate that. Is there anything you would like to say in conclusion, then, to the people who are watching this?
1: (sighs) Just the most important thing I think I can share is that we, we do have choice and choice gives us control. So even in the most extreme circumstances, even if you are in the middle of Syria, in an extreme circumstance, there will be some people who will be running around panicking constantly, and oh, falling apart. There will be other people who will be going, ah, let me... Just take no okay, you stay there, I'll go and get it and we will we'll, and just taking control of themselves and helping other people out. there are other people who will be using the situation to manipulate things to make the most of it for themselves, okay, three very different responses to the same input, so even if things are difficult for people right now, even if things aren't exactly how you would like, I know this this time is really difficult for a lot of people. But you do have choice, and even if you start stressing and going off the rails, you have every second, every millisecond, you have a choice
0: just to stop, breathe.
1: You feel better. Now? You just
0: feel immediate relaxation, don't you? Nice deep breath.
1: Look out the window, and just think about how beautiful them clouds are, man. It's how beautiful that breeze is. Open your front door and just feel that. Get out in the sunshine. Just you have choice and honestly if you give that choice away to other people you are giving control of your life to other people Mm. alice walker said the most common way that people give away their power is by believing they don't have any Mm. you do have power even if you're sat in a prison cell now 23 hours a day because of the current situation, you still have a power over your thoughts and feelings and responses. So I don't want to preach, man. I, I don't want to go on either. That's, I just feel that's that's the most important thing I can share right now. And apart from that, the only, you know, maybe even more important than that is um, buy me book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and watch his rap videos <laughs> do you
1: have a YouTube channel with your rap videos no no no, oh, no I, I, don't, I don't plug myself as a rapper okay um, I use rap now in these community settings yeah so go in prisons schools whatever it is I'll stick on the the the, the, the Dre beat it's always the still the RD beat people love that beat and I'll freestyle I'll I'll take people's words that they give me write them down and I'll freestyle songs using their Can you their bust words. out right now? No, can I what? <laughs> bust out some raps. Can I start some raps right now? Yeah. <laughs> just an example. Oh, just an example. Oh, God, you put me on the spot. Okay, yo. Oh, okay. Uh I'll kick a freestyle around cause you know it's all good when I sit in Liverpool with your Sean Atwood a freestyle <laughs> keep going no i never stop so go on by my book kid you know it's called Lux I'm doing this thing for my son and my daughter when I'm on the mic yes I flow like water freestyle around well it always sounds cruel I rule in the city and it's called Liverpool L to the 1 or the L to the 8 they know my name and they say that I'm great keep on rocking though no, I'm never ever stopping cause I love what I do They call it hip-hopping Whether in prison Whether in the schools Come along with my brain It's my tools Bring my energy To set your soul free Teach you how to be The best you can be Spread your wings And just fly free And ain't nobody else That can rock it like me So stop there <laughs> oh, <laughs> man Absolutely brilliant
0: Arizona prison handshake on <laughs> Alright so Wow This has been a masterclass today In <laughs> storytelling combined with an important social message and life lessons so please go down and support ash's work those links are going to be down there and if you know if you want to come on the podcast if you've got a story to tell did you see how I was just on the edge of my seat as ash just slowly took us described how he went in there, the insects you know the bites the layout of the cell how, who was looking at him, who was friendly, who was mean. This is classic storytelling at its finest. So if you want to come on, you've got to like be able to describe things in that level of detail and really take the viewer there. No 10-second answers. You know, it was, you know, it's the, the self-stunk. People were mean. They got beat up. Da, da, da. It, we want you to really set the table. Bring the viewer with you and take them on that journey over however many hours it takes yeah so absolutely fantastic um i'm I'm, I'm buzzing off hearing that and um huge thank you you know to all of the viewers please let us know in the comments what you thought about today's video huge thank you to all the new subscribers subscription logo is in the bottom corner of the screen and huge thank you to all people who've gone down and clicked on our social links and our donation links and everything else that is in the description box like thank you to you? yeah yeah of course thank you so much Sean um,
1: for the opportunity uh, to come and just talk about the things that we're doing and um, and to share this with, with your you know you, you've got a, a huge audience now you know um, so and, re- and I necessarily don't have that audience yet um, so I really appreciate the opportunity to come and Uh, Let people know about what we're doing.
0: Um, Are you on Instagram and stuff like that?
1: Oh, yeah. So on Instagram, I'm on Facebook as me, Ashley Nugent. But if you go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I'm also on there
0: as Locks. Okay. Send send us all those links and we're going to put them in as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: I'm, I'm getting lots of interviews and reviews and all that Mm. kind of stuff at the moment. So everything is always put up on the social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, the that, that, Check the trailer
0: too. Uh, Check the trailer. This channel started 12 years ago with me just telling my prison story. And then all these wonderful people came into my life and helped me who were, you know, more advanced in their journeys. And um, I started to help other guys, you know, being in prison. And then we branched out to ex cops, ex prison guards, uh, abuse, abuse victims, and people who um on the other side of, of crime, you know, the receiving end of it. So that is our mission, trying to just get people's stories out there. It resonates with the audience. You know, there's a lot of back and two things happen and um, it helps people psychologically. It helped me definitely to be able to tell my story and seeing all the love and support that comes in from it as well. And it reinforces that positive energy just reinforces the entire journey and makes us want to just keep going down this path. And I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I get to just, my job is sitting here We'll Hearing amazing stories like don't, yours. Don't we have the best job in the world? Yeah. John? yeah and yeah, and, yeah.
1: and, and every, again, everyone, we know we are all responsible for ourselves. But when we do that, mm. when we make that change in ourselves, it's a ripple in the pond, isn't it? It resonates out. And yeah. like you just said, you get yeah. the end of with this, all of a sudden, there's a whole new world out there. And you build this network of just beautiful, amazing, inspirational people. And it just keeps building. And now it seems like I've got a whole, to me, now like the whole mm. world is on it. The whole world on it because you just connect naturally with all the other people who are on it and that brings other people in. And this is how we as a people rise up out of this nonsense, this oppressive nonsense Mm -hmm. that has been controlling the way people think and feel. It's a 500 year process now. Our culture is in its adolescence. Mm. It was a baby 500 years ago when the Europeans went into the Americas, started doing more business in Africa, mm. traveling further east, and we created this new culture, this global culture, and now we're in our adolescence, and that's why it's so tough. That's why people are kicking off, because being an adolescent is tough, because we
0: have to grow. We have to decide, what are we really? Who are we? I do have one final question for you as well, actually, it's just come to mind. So we talked about the mission statement and the energy and there's a guy out there right now in the podcast world who I really support. I've watched what he's doing, and I am going to be actually interviewing him this week. And that is Sam Souls. I'll put his channel link in the description box. Please go on down and support what he's doing. He's got such a, a, a nice vibe, just a good vibe. You can just see this guy just resonates pure soul energy. What you've just been on, you've you've been on with him. What was the experience like? Just beautiful. Yeah. Sam Souls, you know, I
1: actually, I went for a walk around, uh, around Lincoln and stuff afterwards, and I just, I felt like, I felt like my heart was open.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was
1: just like, wow, I just feel, that I'm, I know, you know, again, me and Sam just connected, and we're like, oh, pure love, but it looks yeah. like he, he has that vibe with everyone that he talks <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just yeah. resonates, pure, beautiful yeah, energy, yeah. like, and then, I think for another, like, for, for like two days after, I was like, man, that's, my heart is pure open wow uh, just beautiful yeah well, I can't so wait to
0: meet him then. check out Chew the Chat Chew the, the Chat, Chat podcast, podcast with Sam Souls it brilliant alright give us a <laughs> like then <this. laughs> Yeah, cheers fantastic